Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Blessing to be with you. Thanks for uh, those who were here last night and you're back. And uh, we're glad. We had a wonderful time, wonderful celebration with the body of Christ here at the church. Had some surprise folks walk in and pay a visit that we were not anticipating. At least I wasn't, so it was really a blessed time last night, and we want to continue that, celebrating 30 years of ministry here at Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa, and I'm going to open us in prayer, and we're going to relook at our uh, pictures of the past 30 years after we pray this morning. So Father, we thank you for this grace of giving us this opportunity to serve you in this community for this many years, Lord, and we pray, Father, that you would allow us If your son should tarry, we are anticipating his return. But Lord, until that day, Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to continue to do the work that you've called us to do. Help us, Lord, to prepare this place for a new generation of worshipers. If our Savior should so tarry, help us continue to be a light to this community. And we thank you, Lord, for the past. We thank you, Lord, for this present ministry and today we anticipate lord the future that you have for us as well pray that you'd be with each family pray for the needs that are here in this body those that have been spoken and those unspoken and bless our time and our worship this day we pray in the name of jesus amen hey john saw jesus coming toward him and said behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world we reflect on 30 years of ministry here in this place. I believe that that has been declared since day one, that Jesus Christ came to die for our sins, that through his death, burial, and resurrection, we have salvation. Now, John declared that he is that Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We go back to the Old Testament, to the first Passover, when God passed over the houses that had the blood of the Lamb on the doorpost. That it's through the blood that we have that forgiveness of sin, that our sin is passed over through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. That his death would atone for all that we've done wrong. That we would turn, we would repent and turn from our sin and turn to God and live in and through him all the days of our life. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We have the elements of the bread and the juice, the grape juice, and representing his body, the bread that was broken for us, the grape juice representing his blood that was shed for us for the forgiveness of sin. And so we have in 1 Corinthians Paul tells us, For I received from the Lord that which also I delivered to you, 
that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take of the bread. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let's drink of the cup together. I like how Paul puts that last part in. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. That is the Lord's testimony to us, and that is our testimony to the world, that as we um, participate in communion, that it is a witness, a testimony um, to what the Lord has done for us, and can do for all who call on his name to be saved. Lord Jesus, we come before you and we just give you thanks and praise that you would count us worthy to come to this world to die for our sins, to suffer, to be buried, to rise again to glory. Lord, you are our salvation, our, our all in all. Lord, may this place continue to be that lighthouse, that beacon of hope. For you are the light of the world. And may you shine your light through this place and through all of us, that others may see that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And salvation only comes through you. Lord, may you do a mighty work Lord, help us to continue to be faithful, presenting your word, presenting your good news for all to hear and see. You are our mighty God who saves. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy anniversary, Calvary Chapel Lake Villa. My name is Jeff Guype, and I had the pleasure of meeting Pastor John over 30 years ago at the School of Ministry at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa. I was a new Christian walking into the School of Ministry wondering what in the world am I doing here? And then looking across the room, I saw a man sitting there with a mullet. Yes, a mullet. I didn't have any friends with mullets, so I knew immediately I wanted Pastor John to be my friend. Well, here it is 30 years later, and not only are we continue to be great friends, but we are co-laborers in Christ. I wish I had time to tell you all the different ways and times in which John has encouraged me and cared for me and counseled me over the years. John, you've been such a great encouragement to me. I thank you and Lily so much for 
being our friends. I don't know what tomorrow holds. All I know, only God knows those things, but what I do know is that John, because I've known you for so long, I know that you will continue to, to care, to counsel, and to um, encourage all y'all there at Calvary Chapel Lake Villa. Happy anniversary. Wish I could be there with you. God bless you. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 44 to 47. So Moses came with Joshua, the son of Nun, and spoke all the words of this song in the hearing of the people. Moses finished speaking all these words to all Israel. And he said to them, Set your hearts on all the words which I testify among you today, which you shall command your children to be careful to observe all the words of this law. For it is not a futile thing for you, because it is your life. And by this word you shall prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Greetings from the children of your elect sister. The congregation of St. John's Evangelical Church in Colesville, Wisconsin wishes to extend our congratulations to Calvary Chapel Lake Villa for 30 years of faithfulness to the Word of God in proclaiming the Scriptures. Pastor John, your friendship has been a source of blessing, encouragement, and fellowship for me, and we look forward to another 30 years of our congregation laboring in the harvest together. May the Lord bless you all richly, both now and forevermore. Congratulations, Pastor John and Lily. This is Carl Westerland from your School of Ministry days. It's hard to believe that time has passed so soon that it is now 30 years that it is the anniversary of the church and it is 30 years since we first came together in School of Ministry. And so we continue to uh, exalt in our Lord. He has been so good to us. I have followed all these years uh, your work there. When you were in school, I emphasized over and over that what God was doing was uh, making you, putting you in a position where you could be faithful. And by having a pastor at this long, you have definitely proven your faithfulness. I watched you over the years with the posts and whatever information I got from you, and it has been exciting. I know that the Lord has used you in so many lives, and the best is yet to come. So keep on doing what you're doing, and stay faithful, and the Lord is going to bless you in your ministry. Hi, Pastor Eric here from Calvary Chapel Cardinal. Congratulations, Calvary Chapel Lake Villa, on 30 years. What a milestone. John and Lily, Dean and I send you the best. And from all of us here at Calvary Chapel Cardinal, we celebrate with you in your 30th anniversary. I know, John, that you have worked extremely hard to set the next generation on the right foot concerning ministry, the building, etc., your church is blessed to have you, and we're blessed to know you. And we wish all of you a very special anniversary. From all of us here at Calvary Chapel Cardinal, God bless you guys and enjoy this day of celebration. 
Well, Pastor John, it is an honor to be able to congratulate you, your wife Lily, and the church there at Calvary Chapel for 30 years of ministry. You know, John, I was thinking back to when you and I were serving as janitors there at Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa and wondering, probably at least I know I was wondering, and I'm sure you were too, God, what are you going to do with our lives? I mean, we're here, we're serving, but had no idea what the Lord would be doing over the next three decades of your life. And I just want to congratulate you and encourage you. Keep on going. The work that you're doing there at the church as you faithfully serve the Lord and the radio ministry that you have that is reaching into hearts and homes all around your area. I just want to congratulate you, brother, and just say keep on going. Keep on doing the work because, listen, time's running out. You know it. I know it. The days are short. The the days we're living in, they're the last days. Jesus is coming soon. So don't stop running. Keep running hard. Finish well. Love you, brother. God bless you. Thankful for you. All right. Today we're going to focus on one verse from Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Kind of adopted it rather lately over the last couple of weeks as a theme for this 30th anniversary. So that verse, as soon as I get my notes up here, The Word of God tells us, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. And, uh, you know, a song that really was written just a few years before this church began as the Calvary Chapel, and we have been singing it from the get-go. Lily and I first stepped foot in this building in 1994 and uh, 92 to 94 we were living out in California that I could attend the school of ministry there and so we knew that there was a like-minded church about a half hour away from where we were living at the time and we made ourselves known and we made ourselves useful for a season and uh, Dave could tell you the story but they used to which was crazy to me, on Wednesday nights, they would start worship practice after church and stay till around midnight. And, or even later, I don't know, I never did it with them. I told him one day, I said, look, I played in a band for 10 years, I can play bass, but I'm not coming on a Wednesday night. I have to get up at 4.30 in the morning, go to work the next day. So I can't do what you guys are doing, but if you give me a chance... Do you do a warm-up on Sunday morning? Yeah, we run the set on Sunday morning. I said, just give me a chance. I'll warm up with you. If you don't like it, fine. If so, well, there was a lot of bass playing. Done after that. Just give me a chance. Sometimes you just got to give someone a chance uh, for ministry. And it might not be quite the way that this is the way we do it. We love staying up till midnight. I don't. So sometimes you have to do things a little differently and take a chance with some folks. I learned last night with the Bargers who came in celebrating their son, Tony. Uh, Gary was telling me, he goes, 
Yeah, he's playing bass now at the church he attends at the worship team. You taught him. And one of the pastors last night said, by this time, we've forgotten more ministry behind us than we can remember. And it's to my, I can't remember teaching Tony how to play bass and apparently some other friend of his. So I taught two of them. I remember teaching a couple of guys when I was out in California, but uh, ministry continues and expands. And that's exciting to hear that we can invest in people's lives. And I think that is what the last 30 years here at Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa, and I know Lily and I haven't been around for all of those 30 years, but it has taught me the importance of investing in people's lives. And so this one verse... We're going to break it into the three portions for our three points of being confident of this very thing. We're going to look at Paul's confidence in God's work at Philippi and having that confidence that he, the Lord who has begun this good work, that work that he's doing right now in our lives for our second point and finally that he will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. And so we just want to do this today. It's more of a a history. I'm the historian today. And I I might not be the greatest historian of Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa, but this is the knowledge that I have that I'm sharing with you. And I think it's important. uh, That's why I asked for the youth to stay up today, to hear the history of our fellowship and to be encouraged that it is our history and, and we're making it right now. We don't even realize that sometimes we're in the middle of the day-to-day operation of the church coming and serving together with one another week by week and midweek services and maybe some special events that we do. And then suddenly, before we know it, 30 years. I mean, I can look in the mirror and see that it wasn't sudden, but there is this look of time has passed in the last 30 years. So Paul, and we're going to look at to whom Paul was writing, the church in Philippi, in his letter to the Philippians, largely taking from his being with them from the book of Acts in chapter 16, and just summarizing some of the things in this first section, a very short short note about the church in Philippi. As Paul had this confidence before for the work of God in that place. And it's believed that Paul wrote this epistle while he was in prison in Rome, somewhere between 61, 62 AD. And this confidence, it speaks about a word that refers to being convinced or fully persuaded. So it was a confidence. He had this convincing persuasion, this confidence in the church there but it wasn't in the church notice in this passage that the confidence is in Christ the confidence is in God that he who has begun this good work in you the confidence is in God the confidence is in Christ and that should be for us in ministry today we are sinners saved by grace but our confidence should not be in our ability or inability to walk in fellowship with God. Our confidence should always be in the God who has redeemed us through his son, our savior, Jesus Christ. 
It's by God's grace that this church is standing some 30 years later as a Calvary Chapel. But our confidence is not in look at what we done or have done, but look at what Christ has done. Look at what the Lord has done in the lives of the people that have been touched in this place over the last 30 years. So having this distinct assurance of faith, Paul, toward the people there in Philippi, knowing that it was God who had begun that good work in them, knowing that it would be God who would complete that work until the day of Christ Jesus. And that phrase, until the day of Christ Jesus, technically is talking about the second coming, but for most of the church age, the Lord has come for each one, one by one, as we pass from this life. But having that confidence until the Lord calls you home, it'd be another way that we could say it. Maybe the Lord will come in the rapture and we'll go all at once at this time, but the way it's been since the Lord resurrected from the grave and ascended back into heaven, that he has come for his body of Christ one by one, maybe sometimes uh, in a group event, but when some disaster strikes. But having that confidence that what God has begun while here on this earth, he will make it complete. And so our confidence here at Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa, the work that God has begun... Back in 1992, the uniqueness of our beginning here, most Calvary chapels, after Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa was formed, the majority of the Calvary chapels really begin after a pastor goes out with his bride, or if he's not married, without a bride, but it goes out and begins a Bible study somewhere. I had a friend who was in the school of ministry before And I knew him before the School of Ministry days from this area, but he attended and graduated before Lily and I ever showed up. But there was someone that he had ministered to in Philadelphia, and the uh, youth, the teenager, died, and the parents called him and said, you have to come and do the funeral for us. And so he had been at some point part of this young man's life, and he went out to Philadelphia to do the funeral, and At that funeral, many of the teenagers gave their heart to Jesus Christ. And and they were like, you have to start a church now. You need to start a church now. And he said, I will. I have to finish school first. It was wise for him to do so. But he finished school and he went back to Philly and he began a fellowship there. You never know how God will begin a church. But for us, it didn't come through some pastor teaching a home Bible study or some home Bible study calling out to Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa saying, do you have a pastor, someone you can send to teach us? Well, it happened by the building and the grounds being given to the Calvary Chapel movement free of charge. 30 plus years ago now, this church was closed. There was uh, holes in the roof. There was at least six inches of water standing in the basement, and it was in disrepair, the whole grounds. Uh, Pastor Phil last night, he said he saw it before it became Calvary Chapel Lake Villa. And his words, wow, that's all he had to say about it. And also, yeah, I don't think we want it. So he looked at it and said, that's for someone else, but not for us. (laughs) So that began with a pastor. His name was Bob Leatherman. He took 
that call to come and to build here. But his season at Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa was very short. He would actually fall from the ministry. And though officially December 12th of 1999 was the first service here at Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa, by June of 1993, Pastor Mike Williams was uh, pastoring here at the church already. So for Bob Leatherman, it was a short season, mostly the construction and rebuilding, getting ready for the church to be established. But God had a different plan. And quite often in ministry, we may have our plans and things may not work out. I think it's amazing that 30 years later, considering that within a six-month period, the first pastor fell, that we're even here. They could have dissolved right then. It could have been over with right then. But Pastor Mike, along with Holger Bucks as his assistants, ministered here from 1993 to 1999. Holger a little longer with us. But Mike had a lot of work to do in those early years, primarily because of uh, the first pastor's fall, but also the impact that that had on the fellowship. But the condition, I mean, they got it good enough that the roof wasn't leaking anymore that they remodeled the sanctuary and put some carpet down that was here for well over 25 years. And we got rid of a few years ago in 19, uh, in 2019. But they had so much work to do. But really beginning that ministry of laying the foundation of teaching the Word of God verse by verse to a congregation of people to grow them up in their faith. Some of the buildings here on the property were so bad that they were just torn down, done away with. But Jesus used Mike, Holger, and many others to slowly resurrect this building back to life, but also, more importantly, people coming back to faith, both believers and then unbelievers coming to faith in Jesus Christ, but together, growing together in faith. And it was more than 23 years ago that God allowed me and Lily to come alongside here to take the lead here at this church for me as your pastor and sometime later Kevin coming alongside to be an assistant for me and our daughter Melissa to help her husband Kevin but also the work that God has established on this property more than 30 years ago our history here at this church it actually goes further back than 1992 Uh, one of the earlier members Mona was here last night, and there was a point to where I asked her, I said, when did you first start attending on the property? And she said, for me, it was when I was five years old in 1965. So the building was here in 1965 because she said, I remember, and they, you know, she was a small child. They moved to Tennessee. They came back. She goes, I remember just being over here. She said some name of the people, and she said the place was so dark. They had dark pews, dark paneling on the back walls here, and you saw some of that in the pictures that I guess dark was in, in 1965. But ministry here on the property, I had said, and it just so happened that Kevin and I were here together on the grounds um, one day, and some people came, and they said that 
some of the founding pastor's family was having a reunion in the area and they asked if they could come and see the church. And so we had a uh, kind of impromptu church service that day as they came in and toured the grounds and the building and came in and gave testimony. And that's when I get some of the older folks from way back, like last night, I start asking questions because I want to know the history. And so that's how I learned about the first church service being in a corn crib here on the property. And uh, the Lord beginning to work in this place at that time. But there was a point to where the founding pastor, uh, something happened and, and sadly there's even, it went to courts and there's a legal battle that I have record of in in the church here and I've read through the records but there was a dissolve in the church that's the dilapidation that took place and the senior pastor being gone and they're trying to hold on to the building and we used to have like 27 acres and they began to sell off some of it the house next to Kevin Melissa used to be the parsonage and an acre gone there five acres this way a couple of houses over there now but sold in order to help keep the property and the ministry going. But even that wasn't enough. And, you know, that takes up six acres that are gone, 27. Um, Apparently, if you want to go exploring one day, they decided that it would be great to dig a pond on the back property. And they dug a pond. It's still back there today. But while they were digging, they discovered a frog and, apparently said, I ain't never seen a frog like that before. And it was so curious to them that they reported it here in Lake County, and they came out and looked at it and said, we ain't never seen a frog like that before here in Illinois. In fact, they deemed it as this is the only place in Illinois that we have this special frog. They took 10 acres away from us for a habitat for the frog, Um, that's why we used to have 27 acres sold off six, but only have just under 10 now because apparently, and I don't know if the frog's still living or not, but there's a special frog here on the grounds. Even that wasn't enough. They tried to change the name from the gospel ranch to Christian life fellowship. But ultimately, as we know, The building was closed. No one was meeting here for well over two years. One of the last remaining board members, his name was Jack Kearney. He used to listen to the founding pastor of the Calvary Chapel movement, Pastor Chuck Smith, on the radio. And when he traveled for business out in California, he would visit Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa that he could sit in on the teaching of Pastor Chuck. And it was Jack Kearney as Pastor Phil said somebody came and sat in my office over 30 years ago. That was Jack saying, we'd like to give the property to the Calvary Chapel movement. And they did so. No strings attached. Everything was signed over. That confidence, Paul would later write in 2 Thessalonians 3, 4, we have this confidence in the Lord concerning you that both You do and will do the things we command you. We have this confidence that he who began this good work in you, he, it's in the Lord, the confidence is in God. And may we have the confidence in the work of Christ in this church, in our lives today, knowing that we have this unique beginning. 
But no matter what the history is or was here at the church, and no matter the odd circumstances from coming to meeting in a corn crib, can you imagine that today saying, hey, we're going to be starting church here. We got this old barn and we're going to be meeting. And you know, a corn crib, it uh, has holes in it that it can circulate air. So not, not even a warm place, uh, but early beginnings and how God worked early in this place many years ago but have now given us the opportunity to continue to do the work. When this place was dedicated to the Lord in the 1960s, we want to continue to honor that dedication. The saints who have come before us, having that confidence in God and the good work that He had begun in them, that we now, as it is our turn, would be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus, until the Lord calls us home or moves us on. But the confidence is in Christ. Secondly, that is he who began this good work. Again, it's God who has begun the good work. Now in Philippi, let's get a little more history on this church. It was during Paul's second missionary journey that really began with Paul and Barnabas wanting to go revisit the churches that had been planted during the first missionary journey. If you know the book of Acts, if you know your Bible history, Paul and Barnabas got in a fight because Paul wanted to bring along his nephew, John Mark. And John Mark, when the work got tough during the first missionary journey, he left the work. And Barnabas tried to convince Paul, saying that he's better now. He won't leave this. We don't have any of the words that they actually said. All we know is that they got pretty heated and they separated. Barnabas and John, Mark went one direction and Paul took Silas and began the work. There were others too. There was Timothy, a young man that ministered alongside them. Luke would show up and perhaps a few others Um, during this time, and they set out, they revisited the churches that they had visited to strengthen them that were founded in the first missionary journey. But once they had done that, Paul and his team was like, okay, we accomplished this. Now what? Now where do we go? And in the book of Acts, we learned that Paul wanted to go to Asia. He wanted to take the gospel of Jesus Christ into Asia. And Every time they tried to do that, Paul said that God hindered them. The Holy Spirit hindered us. He would not allow us to go. And then there was a point to where one night Paul had a vision. In Acts 16:9, we read of the vision. While they were in Troas, a vision appeared to Paul at night, and a man from Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over here to Macedonia and help us. And it's at this point in the book of Acts we learn that Dr. Luke joined, the author of the book of Acts, joined the missionary team. And the reason we know that is because he changed uh, pronouns and started saying we instead of them. And uh, he was part of the team at that point. But they went over the very next day. Man, when the Lord moves on your heart, And that's what scripture says in Acts 16, verse 12, the next day, they they went straight course 
And from there they went to, in verse Acts 16, verse 12, to Philippi, which is the foremost city of the part of Macedonia. It was a Roman colony of that day. It was on one of the main Roman roads that they had built during that time. It was a prominent city. But one thing we learned from the book of Acts is that there was no synagogue mentioned. Paul's custom was always to preach first the gospel of Jesus Christ to his Jewish brethren. But without any synagogue to go preach at, he ended up at the river in Acts 16:13 on the Sabbath day we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made and we sat down and we spoke with the women who met there. We never even read of any Jewish men at all. It could have been that they were, but they weren't at the river. Paul just saw a group of women who had come together to worship, and they weren't even Jewish. The first one to come to faith at that time was a woman from Thyra. Thyra, Her name was Lydia, and she gave her heart to the Lord. As it says in Acts 16, 14, she opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul, and then Lydia and her whole household received Christ. They were baptized And then after a while, as they continued to minister in that city, as Paul was in the marketplace, a demonically possessed gal, she was actually a slave owned by more than one. They were making much profit from her, from her fortune telling. And she used to follow Paul and Silas around and declare that these men are speaking forth the word of God She was proclaiming truth about Paul and Silas, but Paul did not want. And here's the thing, that sometimes people who do not love Christ can get things right concerning the word of God. But we should not go to people who do not truly love or know Jesus to let them be our teacher about God or Jesus. They can get any... You know, you can take a hundred pennies, cast them up in the air, and there's a likelihood that many of them will land on heads, many of them will land on tails, maybe even one will land on its side, but that would be even rare. You can have things happen that are odd, but Paul at one point got fed up and said to the girl in the name of Jesus Christ, that demon come out. She was healed that very hour. Acts 16:19 says, When the masters saw the hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas. They dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they were convicted. They were locked in an inner prison. The authorities actually charged the jailer to keep them securely. And having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison. He put them in stocks. And then at midnight, instead of singing the blues, Paul and Silas began to sing praises unto God. It tells us in Acts 16:25, they prayed and they sang hymns to God. In verse 26, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open. Every chain was loosed. The Gentile jailer, no doubt, being woken up, 
coming out of his house, seeing the condition of the prison, that the doors were opened. He took his sword. He was ready to kill himself because Roman law stated you lose a prisoner, then you receive the judgment, whatever that prisoner had. If he lost a whole jail, no doubt there were some who were going to be killed. He's just like, I'll just take my life now. I'll be done with it rather than face judgment. But Paul and Silas called out and said, don't harm yourself. We're all here. Here's the thing. Instead of singing the blues, which a lot of people might do, even Christians today, there are those that, you know, in the society that we live in right now in Canada, just a few years ago, you would never think that a pastor would be arrested. But we have seen pastors being arrested in Canada just a few years ago. You'd never dreamed here in the United States that we'd see churches and pastors being fined for what? For meeting on a Sunday morning in churches. But we've seen that happen and instead of singing the blues, there's an opportunity for testimony. And what happened is that Paul and Silas, by singing and praise to God, praying to God, that they actually captured the prisoners who were already technically physically captured. They couldn't go anywhere. But when the gates were open, they didn't flee either because they've been captured by God in that moment, as was the Philippian jailer, as he is the second to receive Christ in this place, he and his family with him. I want to encourage you that God's good work has continued in you and me as well. While some may be able to link their salvation to Jesus Christ to this very place, I would probably say that most of us know I got saved when I was seven years old at a church in Winthrop Harbor, Illinois. My beautiful bride, Lily, when she was a young girl in Zion, Illinois, it was a Assemblies of God church where she first had that prick of the Holy Spirit in her life. And while we each have our own story of when we asked Jesus into our hearts, or at least I hope you have such a story. If not, that can be rectified today. We can get that straight. God has brought us all to this place at this unique period in history that as part of the larger body of Christ, we come together as part of that larger body, yes, but we're a smaller just bit of that larger body of Christ to minister together. Over 30 years ago, there have been a lot of work accomplished in this place, remodeling the entire basement, the upstairs of the church, Drywall, painting, roofing, siding, asphalt, landscaping, adding a radio station that is 17 and a half years old now, a playground, nine square, a disc golf course uh, just a couple of years ago here on the grounds. God has always sent the right people at the right time to do the work or the task at hand that he has given us to do. Most importantly, through these years, we have seen servants rise up to minister in Sunday school, midweek youth and children's ministry, vacation Bible school, our favorite family camp, 11 years running now. We're not so happy about the last two years, people getting sick after family camp, but uh, that's the time we live in right now. But it's been a blessed time. Many families being blessed. And I even heard one of those family camp songs being sung last night by somebody visiting. 
those who have set their hands to do the good work in this place. Our church has also been blessed in other areas with talented people coming through for the worship team, youth workers. Um, We have those on the grounds that have cared for the grounds through the years, building maintenance. Um, There have been times where sometimes it's me, sometimes it's me and others, sometimes uh, there's been a couple of times where we've been able to afford just to have someone working 20 hours a week and are full time here doing remodeling and working on the grounds. And many families have been blessed for those who have set their hands to the good work that's been done here. We've added uh, audio and visual and video and online ministries over the last couple of years. And God continues, as the Word of God tells us in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, that He Himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Like in Paul's day, God has been delivering people from all walks of life that we might serve together in this place in order that lives might be restored, some might be brought to Christ in this church. Then we are thankful for the work that Christ has done for us and through us. And, and Jesus has not brought us this far to allow us to become an unfinished product of his love. He will complete. Paul said, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun this good work in you will complete it. He will complete it in the day of Christ Jesus. This is because we are his masterpiece. Ephesians 1.4 says, in him that we have been chosen in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. And may we have confidence in Jesus and His good work toward us. And finally, that He will complete this good work. In that third section of Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that He has begun this good work in you, will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. God's continued work back at Philippi in Paul's second missionary journey. While he ministered there in Philippi, the Lord established the first church in Europe. The first believer being that of Lydia from Thyatira. And the city being on the this Roman road, it was some 256 miles long, that it connected Rome with many other cities. It meant that Philippi became this very important trade route that no doubt helped spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the then unknown world. Paul not only wrote to the Philippians, but would visit them at least two more times that we have documented in the book of Acts. And perhaps Paul's great love for the church there in Philippi resulted because the church had been birthed during trials but he had saw their continued faithfulness. Paul said in Philippians 1, 27 and 28 to the church of Philippi, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come to see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel 
and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. Don't be terrified. They had adversaries. Paul said, don't worry about that. Yeah, but Paul, we we got troubles. Don't worry about it because your salvation is through Jesus Christ. It's come from God. The Philippians shared in Paul's suffering. He said in Philippians 4, 14 and 15, Nevertheless, you've done well that you share my distresses. Now you, Philippians, know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but only you. (laughs) At that time, they were the only church, according to Paul, supporting the work that he was doing. Man, that would mean something, right? Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Well, here at Christ, at Calvary Chapel Lake Villa, God continued that work here. While 30 years is a great milestone for our church, it has me thinking about the future in a different way than it did when we celebrated our 20th. Partly because when we celebrated our 20th, most of this hair around my mouth and chin was mostly brown at that time and not white. Partly because a lot of the people my age are now retired or retiring or talking about retiring, and I have a wife that's just saying, I can't wait to retire. And I, the whole time I'm thinking, I'm not retiring. But, and especially to see like Pastor Carl on the video, um, it was just a few days ago that he stepped back from ministry there at Calvary Chapel, of, or a few years ago that he stepped back from ministry at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. And so he went well on. And by the way, for the ladies, Um, I don't know if you've seen this, but on Facebook last night when I got home, I saw Jim Hesterly asking prayer for June that she had. She passed out after teaching a women's uh, Christmas brunch or something, and it's heart related. So something's going on with June. Some of the ladies have heard her teach, um, and we've had Jim here a couple of times at our church, but Just thinking about that now, I wanted to say it earlier, but remember Jim and June, especially June Hesterly, in your prayers. But you reach these milestones. So Lily and I, we've been married, as Pastor Phil announced last night, I'm not sure, 44 years, it seems unreal that it could go by that quick. But I remember we celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary, and we found ourselves in a very different place. We got married, we started out in a 12 by 44 foot trailer. People like to call them manufactured homes. It was a trailer (laughs) that I lived in. It had two inch thick walls and it was cold. In the closet in the wintertime, frost would come on the wall and then it gets wet and so we always had to deal with stuff in that trailer. By the time we had our 25th, we were living out here in Lake Villa. We part of this church. I was pastoring here at the church. Our kids were grown. 
uh, Kevin and Melissa were married and we were, Lily and I, we were empty nesters and we're looking at life a little differently at that point than we had for most of our married life. After 25 years as a couple, God then continued to reveal plans that he had new work for us to do and some have been very wonderful. We went from some very difficult seasons and struggles at that time, but he's kept us together. And I think in a similar way as a church that the Lord has accomplished a lot these last 30 years, and we can celebrate that. We should celebrate that. But I think the Lord has more work for us to do, and it's going to look a little differently. And during which time we have seen In the last 30 years, brothers and sisters, both young and old, come to faith in Christ while others being restored to their faith and hopefully all being growing in their faith. And during that time, we've endured some very difficult seasons together here at the church and some very blessed ones. Last night will go down as a very blessed time together as the body of Christ. And although we have seen many blessings over the last 30 years, I do not believe that the Lord is finished with this church yet. So early on, many years ago, after I became the pastor, so 23, 22 years ago, our basement floor, we need a new floor down there. It's having its issues now, but it used to be painted. And the paint used to bubble, and so then you always had this paint scrapings everywhere. And so we planned to do tile, but before we could tile, we had to get all that paint off. And the way the paint came off was with razor scrapers, painstakingly scraping the whole basement, most of the basement floor down there. I was much younger back then to be able to do that. It would hurt too much to get down for that long to do that. But one of the brothers asked a question. I've never forgotten the question. He said, John, what are we going to do after this is finished? Now, in my head, and I didn't say it, I don't know what I answered him. In my head, it's like, look around. There's so much to do in this place. So much to do. And that has really been a lot of the last 30 years. Of We received a church building that had holes in the roof, water standing in the basement. You saw the picture of the front entryway with no door and all the... Uh, stone kind of falling apart. I wish I could find the picture of the car that drove into the uh, foyer, but I can't find that picture. I've seen it. It was an LTD Ford with a vinyl top. That wasn't somebody deciding we need a new door. That was somebody ramming the church building that caused that hole. There was so much to do. And so in my head, I'm thinking, just look around. In fact, I've warned young pastors who's, you know, we're going to buy this church building. And I've seen some do it. And they've felt so impressed by God that they've taken their home and they put it a lean against the building that they're buying a church. And I've warned them if I've had the opportunity saying, first of all, I wouldn't tie my house into the building in the church. I know a pastor who is currently in that place. And uh, man, they are struggling. They wish they could get out of it but their their very home is tied up into the building. And they're still ministering. And I think of that home, and perhaps that's how the Lord kept this family there because I pretty much know that if that wasn't the case, that church may not exist today. 
because they've went through some struggles. It was too much building for them to handle. And I think sometimes we've had too much to handle, but God has brought us this far, and that's good. And so back then, John, what are we going to do after this is finished? And I'm thinking, just look around, brother. There's a lot to do. But I think now I can actually answer that question. Today, that answer would be, we have to prepare this place for the next generation of worshipers. Back then, that wasn't even on my mind, but it is now. And it has to do with a little of this white, the gray that's coming in on the side. Yeah, because I know I'm not going to be here forever. You might not be here forever, but what if the Lord should tarry? Can we, and in my heart, can we pass on this place to a next a new generation of worshipers in, in good condition, that they're not having to worry about holes in the roof and water standing in the basement, but more so in preparation. First, that means we have to continue to serve the people that the Lord brings us, that as we prepare this place for the next generation of worshipers, we continue to do ministry. And maybe that has us asking questions of, the ministries we have going on, um, you know, is, has that run its course? Or is there something we can do to help revive some ministry within the church or to come alongside to strengthen a ministry that we have established together? But most importantly, what role, the question that we can each ask, what role can I play to help our church to effectively ministry Minister to the body of Christ right here, right now. Second, let's complete the building's restoration. Last Sunday I mentioned with the kitchen and restrooms having been remodeled over the last few years, I mentioned sanctuaries next. I mean, we got new chairs, new carpet, but the walls haven't been touched since Kevin painted the walls many years ago. When was that, Kevin? That was a long time ago, a long time ago. And uh, it needs a little uh, freshening up in here. But as I left last Sunday, I looked at the siding, thinking new siding would be nice too. Looked at the roof. I know it's over 20 years old. That's going to have to come too. There's still work to be done. Um, parking lot needs to be, I wanted to have it seal coated this year. We didn't have the funds to afford to do that this year because we had lightning strikes and other costs that were not planned that uh, caused us to spend an extra five grand somewhere we were not planning on doing at all. But there's works to be done. There's things that are going to come up. But let's continue to do the work. But also to leave this place in such a condition that the new worshipers that come here and I know that when people use a building, it gets wear and tear. There's always going to be work to be done. But what if they can concentrate on ministry and not concentrate on the hole in the roof and the water standing in the basement? Besides, when I was ordained as your pastor over 23 years ago, you ordained a builder. So what do you expect out of me? <laughs> I see things. I was a foreman. On a job site, I see things. And uh, I have, I mean, I'm not, we had the uh, design of the anniversary logo that we've 
have on the top of your bulletin. That wasn't me. That was Dana, an artist. I can't do that stuff. I can't do abstract stuff. It's just weird to me. Dave tries to get a little honky-tonk on the piano player and go off the rhythm and the beat. It's like, I don't play that way. There's structure in music for a reason. (laughs) That's how my mind works. They make blueprints when you build a building for a reason that you know how it goes together. Well, the Word of God has given us a blueprint for the church. So we continue, continue to do the work, but prepare this place by growing up that next generation, by giving them opportunities to serve in this place. And thus I truly believe that preparing the next generation of worshipers is now part of the calling of this church. To answer that question, John, what are we going to do after this is done? Well, it took me 23 years to answer the question, but... We're going to prepare this place for the next generation of worshipers. Through the years, Olivia and I have been blessed to serve along each of you and many others in this place. As I get older, I'm looking forward to helping that next generation of worshipers. If the Lord should tarry, who will worship in this place? I said last year, I'm wanting to get worked out of a job here. I'm planning on staying around a little longer, but I want to work myself out of a job and I want to give opportunity for a new generation to serve here. And may the Lord continue to do a good work in this place as he has begun until the Lord calls us home. Being confident in this very thing that he who has begun this good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for this work. 30 years Coming up on the 12th, technically, Lord, but we praise you for these 30 years of ministry. We praise you, Lord, for the past work that's been done here. We praise you, Lord, for the current work that you are doing, for lives that are being touched even now. But we look forward and anticipate, Lord, if you should tarry until the day of Christ Jesus. That's what Paul's talking about. The work, Lord, that you've begun in this place, dating back all the way into the 1960s until now. Lord, until you come back for your church, continue to do this good work. Complete it. Help us to have that vision to prepare this place for the next generation of worshipers and bring those from the next generation to this place. They won't even know why. They're stopping by. They may just have this sense of calling. Lord, bring them here. Let your spirit Woo them to this place that we can serve alongside together, that we can help grow up that next generation, that we can pass the baton at some point in the future, Lord, knowing that we've accomplished the work that you've called us to do here in this place. We pray these things, Lord, in the name of our precious Savior, in the name of Jesus, amen.